October 13th, 2019, at Louisville United Methodist Church. This is the first of a sermon series named Imagining Abundance. The scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 12 through 17, from the Common English Bible. I assure you that whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. They will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask for in my name so that the Father can be glorified in the Son. When you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father and he will send another companion who will be with you forever. This companion is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor recognizes him. You know him because he lives with you and will be with you. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, and for the word of God within us, we say, thanks be to God. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31 reads, Those who exploit the powerless anger their maker, while those who are kind to the poor honor God. Micah 6, 8 reads, He has told you, human one, what is good and what the Lord requires from you, to do justice, embrace faithful love, and walk humbly with your God. Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 16 reads, He defended the rights of the poor and needy, then it went well. Isn't that what it means to know me, declares the Lord. And the Lord's prayer that we all recited reads, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Two Saturdays ago, I drove through Boulder with my children in the back seat, and as we pulled up to an intersection, there was a man flying a sign on the side of the road. And in the way that children hold us accountable to the world around us, ignoring the facades and the rose-colored glasses we like to wear, Evie asked me, why is that man poor? I've realized something as a parent. All of those uncomfortable conversations we avoid in polite company are fair game with children. <laughs> How do you explain to a child that he served in the military and we still quite haven't figured out how to help our military persons transition into civilian life. How do you explain to a child that a person can work a full-time job and still not have enough money to pay for housing or have food security? How do you explain to a child in a community like Boulder, rife with the affluence that they have, that poverty is a real epidemic that impacts and affects real people with names and birthdays and stories. Well, I told the truth. We talked about economics. We talked about the pace of increased home values in relation to the pace of the minimum wage. We talked about how wealth begets wealth, and most often poverty begets more poverty. We talked about systems and taxes, and we talked about how 20% of the world's population holds 80% of the financial and physical assets of the world. And we talked about how looking that man in the eye and acknowledging his humanity is one of the many gifts that we can extend to him.
What are your reactions when you see someone standing on the side of the road holding a sign? How do you negotiate your feelings and how do you respond to those feelings? What have you learned from those encounters? When I lived in Chicago, I watched a Dateline or a 2020 or, or one of those shows that has an hour long feature. And they talked about some of the people that were actually flying signs in Chicago. And the show talked about how they sent some investigative journalists to follow some of those people at the end of their day of flying their signs and how some of those people would walk a few blocks and proceeded to get in Escalades and drove their cars home to homes in the suburbs with a two-car garage. The whole episode talked about how if the person did it right, if the person chose the right corner in Chicago at the right time of year, they could collect over $50,000 a year. Do you want to know what the show had, what the impact of that show was on me? It created doubt, suspicion, fear of manipulation. And I didn't work in the city a lot. I, I lived and I worked in the suburbs. But the next time I did go into the city, I was walking down the street, and as I approached a Starbucks, there was a person standing outside with a sign. And I'll tell you, I didn't slow down. I walked as quickly as I could right into that Starbucks, and I stood in line because 7 o'clock in Chicago in a Starbucks, they need to have one on each corner because the lines are so long. And I'm standing there waiting to spend my 6 or $7 on my cup of coffee, and something shifted. And I don't know what it was, and I, I don't know that I could describe it. But I realized as I stood there waiting to spend my six or seven dollars on a cup of coffee that it wasn't my place to assume the story of the person who was outside of the Starbucks. And as I placed my order, I added a bottle of water that I could hand to that individual as I left to go to the office. I don't tell this story to talk about how I have it all figured out, or to toot my own horn. I tell you because we've all done it. We've all looked the other direction. We might have even done it in the last two or three days. We've all wondered if, if that person is working as hard as I am to get by. We've all wondered, we've all seen something like Dateline or 2020, and, and we've seen the show, and they say these one or two or three people, these anomalies are pulling this off, and it plants the seed of doubt in humanity within us, and it leads to suspicion. Or if nothing else, we want to protect our own. I'm gonna, I know what I'm going to do with my money, so if I take it home, I can give to the organizations I want to give to, and if I take it home, I can spend it on my children and make sure they have the best case, and if I take it home, I can spend it on the companies and the brands that I want to, and then I know it's not being spent in ways that I don't agree with or I don't think are okay. I'm not getting taken advantage of. I tell my kids if they sit down at a table to never look at the plate or the bowl next to them to compare what's in theirs. I tell them if you look at the next plate or the next bowl, look to make sure they have enough. Why? Because at the end of the day, even if my kids don't have enough in their bowl or the plate, day after day they have enough. 
We have so much more than other people do. We have enough that we can miss a meal and we will still be okay. We don't use the word, I'm starving. We say, I'm hungry. Those are two very different things. We have enough to spare a bottle of water or a sack lunch or a $20 bill. And if we don't offer some help, who will? Because I assure you that the person behind you is banking on the fact that it's actually the person behind them that's going to take care of that person. And we can just keep passing that proverbial book book, down the line. When I was attending ILIF, you were... um, Part of the process was to do a a school year-long internship, and I did mine with a ministry called After Hours. And so every week I would spend two hours, two different hour-long breaks, it was uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, in Civic Center Park between the state capitol and the city county building. And I would feed my friends without homes, peanut butter and jelly sack lunches, and we would offer them brand new socks, and then we would offer the grace of God through the form of communion to whomever wanted to receive it. And what I learned is that the stories for how people end up on the streets are as numerous and varied as the individuals. PTSD from serving in the military, schizophrenia and other mental illnesses, bad divorces, incredibly long runs of bad luck. Do you know what each of them had in common though? They were hungry. They were looking to be seen, to be acknowledged, to be recognized as someone who mattered for even a fleeting moment. When Jesus left the disciples, he told them, you are going to do greater things than I. I'm guessing based on the conversations we've had the last couple weeks and the number of times the disciples screwed up, they weren't really believing him on that one either. But they did. The disciples went on to heal. The disciples went on to feed the multitudes just like Jesus did. They built a community that shared and cared and then shared and cared some more. And generosity begetted generosity, begetted generosity, and faith begetted faith. And community begetted community. They taught the Lord's Prayer and they compelled people to believe that they too could bring about God's kingdom like it is in heaven here on earth. And those people passed it on to our ancestors and our ancestors passed it on to us. Jesus told the truth and we know that he told the truth to the disciples because otherwise we wouldn't be here. If they were meant to screw it up, it would have been screwed up before now. The Holy Spirit lives with us and will be with us according to the teachings of Jesus. The Spirit of God moves in and around and through us. And because of that, we are God's only tangible hands and feet on this earth. We are God's only mouth. We're God's only wallet. We are the vessels of God's love and grace to the rest of humanity. A key component, though, is us slowing down and looking each other in the eye 
long enough to recognize each other's humanity. For the next five weeks, we're going to be exploring stewardship. What does it mean to be the church in Louisville and beyond as a body of people and as individuals? What does it mean to put our faith into practice by choosing intentionality with our resources, our time and our energy, as well as our finances? What does it mean to make these choices not out of obligation, not out of shame, not out of guilt, but as a spiritual practice and a reflection of our personal relationships with God? (laughs) There was a quote going around on Facebook a few weeks ago, and I Search for a while, and then I realized that spending time on Facebook to find a quote to write a sermon just leads to me looking at other things on Facebook. So I stopped looking, and I thought I would paraphrase for you. (laughs) Essentially, what it said was this. The poor, the orphans and the widows, the marginalized, those whom society wants to look past or look through or legislate away, the poor should be able to write your community of faith a letter of recommendation. Only then are you being the church. Yes, I'm going to be honest. Stewardship campaigns help write budgets. That's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to collect pledge cards. We're going to sit down. We're going to add up the numbers. and We're going to write a budget for 2020. Yes, stewardship campaigns do things like turn on the lights and make sure that the air conditioning or the furnace runs, and they make sure that we can write paychecks twice a month to all of the staff, including myself. And. Stewardship campaigns are an opportunity to expand our spiritual practices beyond worship and beyond prayer, to walking with the widow and her might, to be the hands and feet of God in and around our communities with and for and alongside the least and the last and the lost. How might we as Louisville United Methodist Church alleviate suffering in a specific way. Gosh, I was talking last night with Megan and I said, this is a church that does big. This is a community that has started a food bank that is vital to the community that has grown up and moved on and it is its own independent 501c3. This is a church that does big ministry. You started a preschool. I assure you, not all churches can build a preschool and have it last and thrive for 10 years. What other suffering in Louisville can we alleviate? What role can we play in making God's kingdom visible on earth as it is in heaven? How can we be active in restoring a person's own identity by recognizing and celebrating their humanity? Imagine what we can do. Siblings in Christ, there is no greater call on us as individuals or as a community than that. May we be messengers of God's love and grace so that all may feel whole in their own creation in the image of God. May we be celebrators and shiners of light on life before death for each and every one of God's children. May it be so. Thank you for listening today. You can learn more about the Louisville United Methodist Church in Louisville, Colorado, on our website at louisvilleumc.org. 
You can subscribe for the sermons, receive letters from our pastor, and keep up on other news and announcements for the community. You can also find more information about us on our social media pages. We're on Facebook at louisvilleumc.org and Instagram at louisville underscore UMC. Have an outstanding day.